Hello, everybody, and thank you for watching Your Revolution Los Angeles. We have with us a very special interview with a great guest, Emma Codaverdian. Am I saying that right? You got Emma it. Codaverdian. We got Emma Codaverdian in here. Also with us uh, to interview is uh, Sky. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy Absolutely. to be here. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so Emma, what's going on? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Happy to have you. So thank you seriously for taking your time to do it. Um, I want to, yeah, I want to get into uh, the nitty gritty of, um, you know, what work you're doing on the ground, you know, what you're part of and so on and so forth. So, um, so I've seen here that you are part of the Sunrise, Mo Sunrise Movement Youth Los Angeles. So um, tell people uh, what that is and uh, what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. So the Sunrise Movement on obviously national scale is a youth-led movement working to um, demand for climate justice for communities on basically a policy level. That's really where our focus is at. And obviously right now the greatest pillar of um, the Sunrise Movement as a whole is the Green New Deal. So that's kind of what we're really pushing for and fighting for is not only getting the Green New Deal in place, but also endorsing, supporting, fighting for candidates that support the Green New Deal and are going to take that action in the White House. Um, and Sunrise LA Youth is essentially our youth chapter of Los Angeles. So the age range of the Sunrise Movement as a whole is anywhere from 13 around there to 35. So obviously that's a really wide age range and we found that in Sunrise Los Angeles, it was pretty much um, as a whole very homogeneously on the older side, like 20, 20 to 35. So we wanted to provide a space for the youth of Los Angeles to be able to um, essentially have an equitable space where they can hold leadership positions and really focus on those youth led issues and kind of um, support the Los Angeles uh, chapter as well, but also be our own entity. Um, and we've really been working essentially, I know right now we're in quarantine, but it's honestly been um, still great because we've been doing a lot of phone banking for different candidates that are uh, Green New Deal champions. Um, doing different town halls, panels, lots of webinars and different actions. And we're starting to get on the ground again with our physical actions. And those are going to kind of be coming slowly this month. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. I think that's perfect. So with that being said, um, that means that, you know, catching on to the Green New Deal is something that obviously the major corporations, major media, um, has disdain for because it's something that cuts into their profits. It's all they care about. It's terrible, but they won't tell you that, right? And so they have done um, really good um, smear campaigns on that. So I actually have, you know, personal family members, coworkers, friends, etc. They're not close friends, don't worry. <laughs> but uh, the ones that like deny, um, you know, climate change, and and I mean, they'll come up with all sorts of things. So I wanted to ask you because when it comes to people taking action. That means they have to have no doubt. They're all in, they know that there's a problem and we gotta go and we gotta go now because that is the truth. However, um, I wanna ask you like, you know, why is it that you believe or know that, um, you know, climate change is real and that it's being affected uh, from mankind? And like, you know, what do you say to deniers claims? Do you even get that? Do you get like feedback from people that are denying what you're saying? How do you approach that? Yeah, so that's a great question. And oftentimes I find that 
deniers, number one, it's definitely the propaganda, the media kind of, um, you know, showing them not necessarily um, data that's misconstrued or anything like that. It's just these really, um, uh, you know, eye-catching headlines that, that kind of um, make people lean more towards denying climate change. Like, uh, they're going to take away all your hamburgers. They're going to take away your jobs. Like, ways that are truly going to affect them. And in turn, that's kind of been our goal at the Sunrise Movement. Um, I mean, I can use myself as an example. When I came to the climate movement as a whole, I was never interested in climate change, really. I wasn't interested in the environment. I mean, it, it all seemed very interesting, but what really brought me to the Sunrise Movement as a whole was the work it did with communities and um, demanding justice for marginalized groups, groups on the front lines of the climate crisis in general, and really the intersectionality of it all. And then I started um, getting to know the climate crisis as a whole. And I think it's really important, obviously, with the empirical data, the research that we have to make sure we're um, showing the most accurate information to the public. But essentially, what people are going to care about most is how is this going to affect me? And um, how can I take action to stop something that is truly going to impact myself and my life? So, you know, we see um, lower income communities, oftentimes um, climate change deniers and those lower income communities, those are going to be impacted um, the most by the climate crisis because those are seemingly unfavorable, quote unquote, areas um, to live in. So they want to hard hit them with oil drilling and oil rigs. Um, and then that ends up um, affecting their own health. So then that in turn affects them or um, they're working for the fossil fuel industry or they're coal miners. And those are jobs that are just not properly paying, not dignified, not good for their health. Um, and the Green New Deal really, you know, fights for these people, not only to give them well-paying jobs, but, but to give them jobs that, um, are dignified and that are just. So truly how I would tackle deniers isn't to throw a bunch of facts and statistics in their face because evidently people aren't going to be able to really resonate with that. It's really to see the experiences that not only other people are facing, but how that can in turn affect them as well. And that, that's great and mind blowing because yeah, for the most part, you're thinking, all right, well, that means that eventually everything's going to get much hotter or theoretically it's leading to, you know, the, the storms and the disasters that are going on and so on and so forth. Um, you know, but that that's ah, that's a perfect way, perfect way to put it. So um, so for others that um, are trying to work forward and saying, like, all right, we need to take action. What is that specific action? Like, what are you guys doing on the ground? Yeah, that's a great question. So obviously all, you know, many climate organizations and movements kind of differ with their main mission statement or goal. Obviously they have the one ultimate goal, but the tactics that they take um, tend to differ. So for the Sunrise Movement at a, at a whole, it's really about policy because essentially, um, you know, our politicians are the ones um, hindering uh, the the laws and the legislation that could really put in place actual um, conclusive change to tackle the climate crisis. And the fact that many of our politicians, the majority of them, are in the pockets of those um, billionaires, fossil fuel execs, corporation leaders that are only perpetuating the climate crisis more. And because they are working for those billionaires, that they are 
um, you know, avoiding putting out legislation that would tackle the climate crisis, because then that would mean taking those people down. So um, essentially, I would say that you can get involved in so many different ways. I mean, it just starts with volunteering for a campaign that is really um, tackling the climate crisis. You know, a candidate, whether on any level, even a local level is so important. City council, mayoral um, races, and just volunteering for those candidates so that we can get real conclusive change in our communities. And then from there, getting involved on a more national scale will really be evidently what's the most important in order to tackle the climate crisis in the U.S. on a policy level. That's awesome. great. Hey, Emma. So I have a question. Um, and so when you're, you know, you're, you're organizing and talking to the youth, are um, what are some of the topics that you guys um, discuss? Because um, as you know, um, the biggest threat uh, to climate change is uh, animal agriculture, right? Um, do you talk about veganism uh, or diet or, you know, what we're consuming? Yeah, that's that's a wonderful question, and I think it's definitely it's something that a lot of a lot of people have a toss up, especially within the climate movement. So essentially, our idea is not to blame innocent citizens for perpetuating the climate crisis, right? Because evidently, it's these fossil fuel billionaires and corporation leaders that are really the ones to blame and that need to be taken down. And it's this idea of ecofascism, which a lot of um, Unfortunately, a lot of the climate movement has kind of fallen down and we're trying to get out of, which basically means um, uh, blaming ordinary people for perpetuating the climate crisis, whether it be with your um, clothing practices, your eating habits, um, uh, how you, what car you drive, things like that. When ultimately, those, those aspects of life aren't um, as easy for people to avoid. I mean, a lot of people who are really on the front lines of the climate crisis are those in lower income communities that aren't within proximity to um, the most sustainable food practices or um, aren't, uh, cannot afford, you know, um, an eco-friendly car or can't afford to have these sustainable practices and a sustainable life. So ultimately it's kind of, if you can, that's great. That's awesome. We don't push the idea away. That's perfect. But if you can't, you're not to blame for the climate crisis because ultimately it's those people on top that are really causing it. So. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like you go to a grocery store, just as a quick example, and you'll see the organic section. And it's a tiny little section, right? For example, Whole Foods, where, of course, the owner is a terrible human, but still healthy um, healthy food there, right? And it's only in certain places. It's not going to be in the hood, <laughs> right? Um, and so that's a good approach. And so how do you, you know, this? you are part of the Sunrise Los Angeles youth, um, and I can imagine that you get a lot of backlash from older politician right because <laughs> you know in the congress you don't see representation you know young aoc's the youngest and that's about it right but they're and then they're just full of let's be honest they're full of older white men right and so how do you um get them to take the youth serious yeah i mean that that's that's an amazing question and really i think it's about showing that we are a movement that is a force to be reckoned with i mean uh, we, there was a really popular video that essentially went viral. Um, and it was someone from the sunrise movement and she was, um, 16 at the time. And she went to a town hall forum 
for her governor. Um, I can't remember the name quite well, but she went to that forum and um, she essentially did what we call bird dogging. And she asked a question to kind of catch the politician off guard, asking if he wasn't putting out um, a legislation to um, tackle the climate crisis in her state because he was um, taking money from corporations and fossil fuel execs. Um, and he, you know, called her naive uh, and told her that, you know, she, she's not as old as he is and doesn't have that lived experience, essentially. And the governor ended up not getting reelected for his next term. Nice. So as we can see, we have that power to do that. I think it's just building this mass movement so that they can't ignore us, so that they see us and that we're all working together. And we're also telling our stories. I mean, I think it's really special for um, kids from, you know, higher income communities or more affluent neighborhoods to be being allies with those that are affected. But ultimately, we need to be putting um, those that are tackling the climate crisis um, firsthand at the forefront. So that means um, our Black youth, our Indigenous folks, um, our Latin uh, individuals and lower income communities in general, so that they can tell their stories. Because ultimately, when we see these, ex these experiences, it's way more influential than, than you know, chanting for um, climate justice. To have those real experiences to show that, okay, we're young, but we've experienced far more than you have in your whole lifetime. And it's gonna be um, catastrophic and detrimental to our health, to our, to our generation as a whole. Um, it, it's, it's really what's ultimately going to catch their eyes and get their attention. I love it, man. You gave me chills just talking and listening to that. <laughs> I'm so happy that you guys got that politician out. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And, and I've noticed too, I was looking at, you know, your, your Twitter feed uh, for, for a bit just to kind of see it. And you're not just pushing, you know, or, or, or you know, letting people know about just, you know, climate change and, and the climate science behind it. You're also going on a lot of other, you know, different things that, you know, that ties into what you were just saying, right? When you're talking about, um, like, you know, economic justice, um, you, you know, you have a lot of stuff here, obviously, once again, about the Green New Deal, but Medicare for all, I'm also seeing, you know, you, you know, you're pushing that and so on and so forth. Um, you know, what, I guess, what was it then that led you to, like, to the Sunrise, like, youth movement um, to, I guess, like, have a focus on that? you know, when you're dealing, when we're all dealing with a whole bunch of other, you know, issues that are going on right now. Absolutely. And I think that's oftentimes a misconception from people who don't understand the climate movement too well, is that the climate movement is just about the environment. Um, and it completely ignores other, um, you know, social um, justice ideas or fights. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's kind of spearheaded by um, more affluent communities and mm -hmm. you know, tree huggers, whatever. You know, we have all these stereotypes, but ultimately, without racial justice, there is no climate justice. Without economic justice, there is no climate justice. And I believe that the climate movement is one of the most intersectional movements because um, every single social justice issue is mixed into the climate movement as a whole. And there are there are so many different 
you know, roads you can take. And that's one of the reasons why the Green New Deal is so important because it talks about, um, you know, protecting frontline communities and tackling them first. And that's why we really push for the Green New Deal instead of just um, hearing different pillars of legislation about um, how politicians are going to tackle climate. There are multiple reasons, but essentially we really need to be hitting those frontline communities and marginalized communities first. And, you know, all of, you know, we have, so many different groups that I stated before that are um, facing multiple issues beyond just the climate crisis, but mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest ones that encapsulates, you know, their health, um, their uh, socioeconomic status, um, their their lived experience day to day. So, without tackling all those issues, we cannot tackle the climate crisis as a whole. Right. That's that's fantastic. Um, I want to get back to that in just a little bit. Um, the other one too that um, I noticed that you were talking about um, is uh, about Armenian issues and support. Uh, let me ask: Are are you of Armenian descent? Is I that... am. Yeah. Oh, awesome! Yeah, because <laughs> I because I do have a lot of uh, you know Armenian friends that you know yeah. I, I knew and grew up with, so on and so forth. And there's a number of them that actually are Trump supporters. Yeah. Um, I. I don't know why, maybe it could be, I'm not sure if you have any idea of that, but um, he also back in 2019 vetoed a bipartisan bill that has to do with the recognition of the Armenian genocide. Now, of course, he has dealings with Turkey and you know we know that he's close to Erdogan and maybe that has something to do with it. I wanted to really like get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Overall, I mean, is yeah. that a frustrating issue? Is that something that pe I don't think people enough people talk about it. So I want to give you a platform to discuss that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a wonderful question. And I think it's a really important, you know, question to ask. And of course, it's frustrating. But honestly, it was expected. And I wasn't surprised to see that and to hear that. Because ultimately, prioritizing, you know, military deals has always been the situation with um, uh, recognizing the Armenian genocide. I mean, it has been over, um, it has been exactly 115 years since the Armenian genocide, and we have not been recognized by the United States, uh, like wholeheartedly. And um, the United Nations itself is actually um, kind of, uh, you know, having this back and forth with how they want to, I guess, recognize it or how they want to approach it with Turkey's presence, obviously, in the United Nations. Mm -hmm. to, to that, I believe that we need to recognize not just the Armenian genocide, but all genocides. And we have recognition of the Holocaust, and that's perfect, and that's amazing. And it's really important that we have so much recognition, and we see that Germany is still now, you know, paying essentially back for the years of... Um, absolute egregious actions that happen because of that but we still have the genocide of the indigenous people in america and there's absolutely no justice for them and for the armenian genocide so i really resonate with indigenous people when essentially their land has been stolen from them and they have no control over what happens and you know they're seeing their land literally being stripped of you know everything that it once was and they don't even have control over that because ultimately the u.s government is responsible for um the oil drilling that they do there you know what monuments they decide to build on their um sacred um rocks or monuments or whatever that may be um so honestly i just think that while it's it's very important to recognize the armenian genocide 
again, we, we have to recognize all genocides. And I think that's ultimately the, the important thing here is that if we're not recognizing one, what about all the others that are still left completely um, not talked about and not recognized at all? Right. Um, and, and that leaves, you know, people at a disadvantage for sure, especially when, um, you know, indigenous people, they have to take blood quantum when they're born to essentially show how, um, how much indigenous blood they have to quote unquote, show what the US government owes them, what land, what resources, things like that. Right. So we, we need justice for our communities. And um, the fact that there is, um, underlying, you know, political, um, you know, exploitation involved with that, that has to do with, you know, just realizing that this happened and this was an issue and you're standing as an ally with a nation is really unfortunate. Right. That's that. That's a great way to say it, because when you're mentioning that, like, hey, they're being exploited and so on and so forth, and especially even here with um, indigenous people, Indigenous people all throughout the world have been victim to the corporate, the, the corporatocracy that has taken over. And then also, um, you know, their exploitation, exploitation of resources and labor has also led and contributed to the warming of the planet, the destruction of the planet, you know, so on and so forth. So that, that's what I'm thinking that, yeah, they do all tie in. And I'm glad you mentioned that. So just really quickly to wrap up here, um, you know, how can the youth in L.A., really make a difference like how can they join you know like where where is it that they can get involved like you know, great question what would you yeah. Say to them? Yeah. yeah absolutely um how how the youth in la can get involved with the climate movement um you know there are multiple ways i think it's just a matter of you know joining uh, for, for me, you know, I'm here repping the Sunrise Movement, so joining a Sunrise chapter near you and really making sure your voice is heard as far as the experiences that you're facing. I mean, we really need people to be there and telling stories about um, the health issues that their communities are having because of the climate crisis or the pipelines that are near them or the lack of excuse me, proximity to healthcare because um, they live in a impoverished, impoverished community. Um, so not only just joining, but also really fighting and being there and making sure that somehow you're utilizing your voice um, and allow uh, being in a space that your voice is heard and amplified as well. That's, that's, that's awesome. So um, I think once again, as I mentioned on some of your, so on Twitter and some of your other social media, I'm sure you, you mentioned a lot of great things. I would love for people to see, you know, what you tweet out and so on. So how is it that other people can get a hold of you or, you know, be able to follow you, et cetera? <laughs> yeah, great question. So I think our um, greatest social media presence is probably um, via Instagram. It's at Sunrise LA Youth, just the one. And um, there you'll be able to really see kind of what actions we're working on and how you can kind of get involved with us as well. Awesome. All right. Hub, co hub coordinator of Sunrise LA Youth, Emma Cotaverdian, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, we really appreciate your time and being able to, you know, uh, share the information that you did. I really think it's going to help. Let's make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching this video. If you liked it, please tap the like, hit the bell, subscribe to us and support us on Patreon. If you want to join the cause to help us get corrupt bribes out of our nation's news media. Thank you so much for watching. And remember, this is your revolution. <laughs>